Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Stackability AI. I'm your host, Austin Cornelio, joined here with my co-host, Mike Taylor. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. Mark Shackleton, founder of SmartSeal. So Mark is an AI expert. He has over a decade of experience in AI, uh, pretty deeply involved in AI safety, and he's a member of the Less Wrong community. So Mark definitely knows his stuff when it comes to AI safety, which is amazing because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, welcome, Mark. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Austin. It's really good to be here. So uh, I thought I'd, let me let me kick it off, Austin, with this this quote that I saw that uh, will uh, kind of set the tone for the podcast. I think and it was by this uh, sociobiologist Edward Wilson, um, and he said that the real problem with humanity <clears throat> is the following. We have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology, and that's terrifically dangerous. And it's now approaching a point of crisis overall. And this quote was from 2009. So we're <laughs> we're wondering where this guy is now, and <laughs> what he must be thinking with the uh, the advent of the last uh, the technology boom in the last 14 years or almost 15 years since he said that. So uh, does that uh, resonate with you, Mark, at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you know, we always talk about technology being agnostic, uh, but it certainly feels like, uh, you know, the last 10, 15 years have been, you know, pretty quick in terms of uh, how fast we've been developing things and, and how quickly it's been affecting our environment and our culture. So I definitely think he was onto something. Yeah, that's quite the uh, quite the quote. Um, I'd love to dig deeper and you know do more research on on him. It'd be great to uh, read some more. So, Mark, uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've been running Smart Seal for a few years now, and before that, I spent about 20 years um, in software. Um, I, I have formal educational training in mathematics and computer science. And uh, like you said earlier, I've been part of the Less Wrong community for over 10 years now um, and really been thinking a lot about AI and, and watching it unfold right in front of us. So it's a, it's a really interesting time to, um, to be alive right now um, and to be, to be into AI because a lot of the predictions from the last 10 years are coming to fruition and we're we're seeing it unfold right in front of us yeah it's it's quite amazing to see it right because if you've been following along you know for the last 10 years or so you know these these topics definitely aren't new topics you know there's been a, a bit of an ai winter if you will and like a lot of this stuff right now is starting to to really play out and you know being in experts minds uh, you know, more and more. So before we get into that, t tell us a little bit about the Less Wrong community for our listeners. What is that exactly? Well, the Less Wrong community was started uh, in the mid-2000s by Eliezer Yudkowsky, who's a prominent uh, AI alignment researcher. Uh, he's the founder of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. Um, the community started uh, really as, as, a, as a means to explore rationality and you know thinking about biases and heuristics and in, in the way that 
human the human mind solves problems and classifies things that exists in this world and and really that the way that 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 extends significantly into um, the problem of AI safety and these are all very important things to understand if you are trying to solve this specific problem so really the the group is uh, explores these rational the rationalist movement um, in order to understand things like incentives and alignment and agency coordination um, and all of the hard problems around um, AI. Awesome. Yeah, definitely will be a link that we provide in the description um, of, of this episode. And how about SmartSeal? What's that? Tell the audience a little bit about that venture. Yeah, so SmartSeal is a company that I started back in 2019. And uh, what we do is we uh, use cryptographic near-field communication tags that are embedded into physical objects and linked to records on the blockchain. So we're using those tags for proof of ownership, um, proof of authenticity, and proof of possession um, in order to basically allow brands to um, collect secondary market revenues um, from the resale of their products. So it's a, it's a blockchain cryptography company behind the scenes uh, it's very very consumer oriented though so it's it's really uh we've abstracted a lot of that blockchain away for the end consumer and made it really easy for brands to protect their products and their brand and to connect with their customers that's fantastic super useful thing in today's day and age especially with you know all the questions around ownership and copyright and, and everything. So I understand that it's it's more of a, a physical play for physical products, right? So so where are you right now, you know, with the project? Is it is it live? Do you have customers? Uh, where is it in its in its lifespan? Yes, it's it's live. Uh, we do have customers. Um, we are currently um, building out some really interesting components um, that are really uh you know post-sale um secondary market revenue um engines for for brands um so that's kind of what it, where our focus has been on lately fantastic all right thanks for sharing so let's jump into the episode here ai safety what exactly is ai safety right when when one thinks about it i think you know, one of the first things that comes into mind is obviously there's a big regulatory play here. Um, it goes a bit further than that, right? I like to think of AI safety as like a very interdisciplinary field. You know, you're touching on aspects of alignment. You're talking on, you're, you're, ta- you're ta- touching, excuse me, on aspects of regulation, of course. Um, so what I'd like to do with this episode is maybe paint some broad strokes for someone that might not really know what one means when we talk about AI safety. So, so Mark, being the expert, how do you like to go about breaching the conversation of AI safety to a, to a, a newbie here, to a first time person kind of starting to think about this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, AI safety. I think that most people, when you talk about the dangers of AI, just kind of conjure images of the Terminator, um, which, which is, I, you know, that's that's what most people 
I think that their exposure to this has been, um, but really AI safety is um, a set of strategies and theories that are aimed at ensuring that AI systems are like safe and reliable and beneficial to humanity. So that involves things like alignment, which is making sure that the AI's goals and behaviors are um, aligned with human values and don't accidentally cause harm. Um, there's also the study of robustness and reliability um, and then prevention of misuse because this is very, could be a very powerful technology um, and ethical considerations. Um, you know, basically how AI um, works with copyrighted material, fairness with uh, biases and data sets and things like that. I like one of the examples you gave, Mark, about uh, the robot. Like if you can have the robot go across the room to get you something, um, but it it accidentally kills your cat yeah. on the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good um, good example to you know to to talk about this is is that that's like alignment, right? So you have inner alignment and outer alignment, and uh, the outer alignment is really like refers to how well the goals or the objectives. Um, that we program the AI to uh, to have actually are aligned um, with what we want it to do. So um, you could say like make a robot and says, okay, go, go make uh, my coffee as quickly as possible. And it'll go over and, and run over your cat on the way there. And, uh, and you're like, oh no, I didn't program that into it. I have to like, you know, it's a really hard problem because you have to think of, you have to think of all of the things that humans value uh, when you put it into the model. So a, a robot that makes coffee, if you just tell it to make coffee um, and you don't tell it to avoid running over cats, um, will likely run over a cat. And then if you say, okay, well, that's an easy problem to fix. I'll just program it to not run over cats. And then the next time you turn it on, it evades your cat and knocks over your priceless Ming vase. And you're like, oh, well, I have to program it to not knock over priceless artifacts. So it, it turns out there's a, you know, there's a, there's an enormous, um, there's an enormous amount of, of things you have to program and value, values, <laughs> human values that you have to program into it to just make you a darn cup of coffee. And this is, I think this is one of the big reasons why we don't have self-driving cars right now. It's because there are a lot of, you know, really tricky ethical situations that self-driving cars, you know, that even humans, you know, will have to, uh, um, have to make decisions about, you know, if you're driving a car and there's a person crossing the street here and there's another person crossing the street there and you have to make a decision about this, is like the trolley problem, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's, you, you have to, you have to kind of make, there's a lot of judgment calls that have to be made and you have to make sure that your self-driving cars or your robots or whatever you're building, that's sort of replacing human decision-making is going to be doing it. Um, you know, in a way that's, <laughs> that's ethical. And 
I saw this video where this girl was being, uh, you know, uh, in a student driving situation or trying to pass her road test. And the guy said, you failed. And she said, oh, come on. Can you give me one more chance? And the guy <laughs> says, OK, if you can answer this question, I'll I'll pass you. And she said, he said, there's a you know, there's an old guy and a young person and they're in the crosswalk. You know, what do you hit? And she says, well, I guess the old guy, because he's had lived a whole life. And the guy says, no, the brakes. Yeah. So um, it's it's really interesting because this uh, this AI, the thing about AI is that, you know, once it has this information, I was just reading this article about um, unlearning Um, for AI to unlearn something. is going to be a huge problem uh somebody equated it to like trying to you know take the flour out of a cake once it's made because they don't know exactly how the the it's formed once it's formed and how do you have it forget something you know well this is this is another um really interesting thing about artificial intelligences is that they are they are made of artificial neural networks and the way artificial neural networks work is it's kind of like the way your brain works. You have these synapses in different weights and interconnections. So um, it's not like you have a, uh, you know, it's a system that you train. It's not a system that you actually program it with like logic and say, okay, do this and do that. Um, And what, what that ends up looking like is you have this huge, data set you have this huge um file that has just thousands or billions of floating point numbers in them it's just this huge matrix of floating point numbers and if you were to like go inside and, and try and look at what was happening inside the machine and say okay why did it make this decision there's no possible way for you to decode all of those just like seemingly random um flood of of uh of weights and and interconnections you you can't like decipher that so it's it's kind of like a one-way function where you can train it to do something but then if you try and figure out why it's doing something it's just it's you're completely lost in this like explosion of just like floating point numbers so so the implications of that is like you don't know if the robot is lying to you you can't just peek inside and say, "Oh, this this model is lying to me." Um, you can't. Yeah. You don't know if, it, like, if you have something that's particularly very smart, like a super intelligence, you don't know if it's manipulating you. You'll never be able to know that. Yeah, that's a huge, a hugely dangerous aspect of of artificial intelligence, and I think when you hear people, especially you know, some of the researchers that are responsible for some of these models talking about the fact that they don't really understand how some of them work from like that level. I I mean, I think it pays respect to that comment right there quite a bit. Right. So pretty, pretty mind blowing. So I'd I'd like to back up just a little bit. I think that the the comment that you made about the the driving cars, uh, self-driving cars is, is really an interesting one. And I often think about, you know, where we are at today with AI and where we've been. And it kind of always blows my mind that we're here today because of a chatbot, right? And obviously that was way easier to get 
society to sign up on compared to like a driving car, right? Because people have tried driving cars many times. Um, every time one has an accident, which they do, like everybody freaks out because you're putting you're putting a human at risk. However, on the flip side, there doesn't really seem to be any issue, you know, with pushing generative AI full bore into everything and saying, okay, fine, like that doesn't have any ramifications, right? So, so what do you think about that? To me, it's like it's it's kind of mind-boggling to think about it right that 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 way, right? <laughs> We care about one human yeah. more than all of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, to, you know, in, exactly. In ChatGPT's defense, I don't think it's killed anyone yet. So. <laughs> no, um, probably, probably not. Probably not. Um, but who knows? Like, you know, there were the early days where you could get it to do some crazy shit, and um, you know, maybe that didn't get reported. But you know, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that it has killed anybody. Um, hopefully, well, it hasn't. But you know what, you know, um, Elon, but, Elon Musk, you know, was really pushing the self-driving thing with Tesla for a long time. And, and one of the, the really interesting parts of that story was that, um, like he, when he created those self-driving cars and all the technology around that, what he was measuring was how safe are these cars in their autopilot mode compared to normal human drivers. And his reasoning was, if they're safer than normal human drivers, then you really should be using like that's that's the metric that you want to be shooting for. So if you if self-driving cars only kill ten thousand people a year, and humans are killing ten times that much, then you you know then the then the self-driving is a success. But I don't think most people saw it that way. You know, you get a news story of like, hey, a Tesla car on autopilot killed someone. Um, it just looks really bad for the for Tesla and the autopilot. And uh, and but the news article doesn't really cover the statistics behind it. So there's that there's kind of that human element there where it still might be safer but it's just not going to be acceptable uh, just because yeah. of the, the emotional element of it. Yeah. They don't put the, the ratio of, you know, 500 people died in car accidents today. And one of them, one of them was in a Tesla, you know, it's like a, it's a straight, just, you know, sensationalized yeah, headline. Absolutely. Um, and, and the public opinion has, is very important <laughs> in these matters. Um, I, I suspect that, you know, in, in a lot of ways, AI is saving people. So when used in, in medicine, it can do things like identify malignant tumors at better rates than doctors examining x-rays. Um, and, you know, it's the protein folding is another great example of it. like amazing, amazing um, use of the technology because you know, before the protein folding project was completed, like it would take one PhD to like figure out how one single protein folded. So basically they figured out it was worth like billions of PhDs, you know, people, <laughs> billions of PhDs um, was, you know, were able to be replaced by one AI model, which is just a, an amazing victory for, for humankind. So, um, it's very use case dependent 
I think, um, in terms of, of what's, what is end up, what ends up being dangerous and what ends up being, um, acceptable. Yeah. I was looking, I was reading an article about how it had come up with, you know, different solutions for lithium. Um, so that, you know, uh, instead of using all the lithium that we need for batteries, it came up with replacement materials that are much cheaper and easier to come by, um, just by testing, you know, like 28,000 different elements that could possibly be, be used that way. And, uh, it's finding them at a a rate that's, you know, unmatched by what we can do. And I think, Um, yeah, this is where the, the excitement comes in this is where this is why Andreessen Horowitz doesn't want to um, regulate the industry and and why a lot of people are very um, ag- against government intervention to regulate compute power um, because because there is a lot of um, room headroom here there's a lot of uh, innovation to be to be had um, and improvements that I think will be very good for the economy, at least in the short term, um, in, in most cases. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing, right? Short, short term, everything is, is good, but that's why this is such a complicated topic because it, th- like we, like we've been talking about, there is a tremendous amount of edge cases and edge cases are kind of like infinite because each application that you apply this thinking to, you're going to have a whole set of things that you have to, you know, solve for. So it's, it's way different than saying, okay, fine, I'm going to build like an insurance app and I need to cover myself against 200 edge cases, right? Like you kind of take that whole model and you, you just infinitely expand it because you have so many different applications and so many different edge cases and so many things you have to like, you know, protect one against. So if you, if you do decide to say, okay, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to take this into consideration now. Um, it almost becomes like impossible to do. So I think like the strategy, it's kind of crazy if you think about it, because we're saying that, okay, we're just going to roll this stuff out and it's going to get rolled out as is because it's really, really hard to safeguard, you know, people against it to an extent. So we're just going to do it and, and hope that everything works out. Is, is that the way that you guys see it? Or is that just me? I think that's probably the way, at least that's the way um, they did it with Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, I, I think that regulation and, um, and, and rules and things like that tend to lag behind the technology. The government is very slow at, at, putting regulation in place. And I think it will probably take um, some big events or big scares or big news stories for the fire to be lit under that, um, you know, under Congress to, to, to do things. Because right now it's just so early. What you don't want to do that everyone is really afraid of doing is, is like hobbling the America right out of the gate, you know, we're, we're in a global competition, um, in terms of AI, you know, China and India and Europe, everyone's building really big models and accelerating very quickly to use these, uh, 
these models and this technology to build really amazing things. And if we, if we hobble ourselves right out of the gate, it really, we're going to really fall behind and nobody wants to do that. So I think there's this balance where governments and companies are okay with the initial risk until something really bad happens. And then that's when, that's when the public opinion will, will say, Hey, you need to do something about this. And the regulation pops up. So yeah, that tends to be the way I, things go. I think that's why it's so important to, to start, you know, for the listeners here, um, start thinking about this stuff now. So you don't have to think about it when it's, it's too late, but you know, you make a good point about, um, governments and, and countries in, in different parts of the world, like adopting this, because if you look at history, you know, there's definitely been parts, places in time where a certain region would ignore technology and they were essentially left behind for centuries. I think a good example of that is the UAE when they decided that they were going to ignore the printing press. And at that time, they were something like 700 years or some crazy num- like number ahead of most societies and technology and then decided that they didn't want to adopt the printing press. And now you see places like this not willing to, to make that mistake again on AI and, and go full in, full bore. So it, it adds fuel to the fire, you know, for sure. Well, I mean, the most expensive thing about AI is energy, right? And um, the UAE and over there, they seem to have a, a limitless supply um, to throw at the problem so they can, you know, really, really rapidly accelerate and fund um, incredible technology. And if they don't have the resources inside, inside, they could, you know, just bring them in uh, with the amount of money that they have. Um, so it'll be interesting. And Mark, it's a really good point about it's kind of a new arms race a little bit where everybody's got to try and bulk up to make sure that they're at least staying um, staying relevant. But, you know, I wonder with some of these things, I remember, you know, back in the early 80s when Ronald Reagan was talking about the Star Wars program where it was like, you know, we would have this global shield around us that would be able to knock any missiles out of the sky and whatnot. And, and all of a sudden yeah. that doesn't sound too far fetched <laughs> anymore. You know, yeah. it's like, we just have like deploy AI, you know, we have, uh, you know, get the dome, the, the, you know, the, the big dome and we'll just uh, shoot anything that comes at us like, like missile command. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot. Most technology is dual use and you know, what, what works well in the civilian sector is often, um, you know, used for, um, for, for war, you know, for that kind of, that kind of things, you know, increased surveillance, automated, um, automated military, uh, tactical weapons, drones and tactical weapons that are doing automated killing and things. Those are certainly like, you know, pretty terrifying aspects of this technology. Um, and I, and I, I know that it's, you know, it's, it's important that these things be, uh, be explored and examined and, uh, and, and it, I guarantee you it's happening. I guarantee you that the military is, is building their own models and looking at, 
you know, yeah, using DARPA is autom- all over this <laughs> automated decision making and things like that. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's just really changes the dynamic in the world in ways that are very unpredictable. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think we've touched a bit about, you know, on like what what is AI safety? I think it's it's pretty clear why AI safety matters, you know, I think we outlined a few good examples. Some things that happen, you know, today, uh, it's a minor thing, but chat GPT hallucinates all the time. I was talking to my friend, she works at the UN and she was, she was telling me about her budget that she was trying to reconcile. And it was like hundreds of millions of dollars. And I asked her, I'm like, hey, well, what are you spending all this money on? And she said, translation. So translators, like we're hiring like armies of translators. So I thought, man, like that's something that generative AI could solve now for pennies in the dollar. But if you think about what would happen if it started to hallucinate, that would be like a really good example of a safety problem, right? So imagine like dealing with the United Nations and, you know, all of these uh, heads of state and, and all kinds of different politicians. And then you have a, a, an AI starting to hallucinate. Um, that obviously wouldn't be good if they're trying to translate the conversation between the parties. So, yeah, ton, like a huge, huge savings there. But also you have to really tread carefully. Because it could be very enticing for the UN to say, I'm just going to like have to go from spending $300 million to like 10 million or whatever, like an infinitely smaller <laughs> amount of money. So this is a really good example because when you're dealing with, with politics and people in different nations, there's a lot of um, sort of redefining the truth when it comes to these things. So if you, if you decide to make a, an AI that's built for translation, you have to make sure that the training set that you use is completely free of biases and errors because those biases and errors end up exactly in the model. Um, and, and, and to sort of amplify this problem a little bit more, you know, we, we live in, a lot of people have said it's a post-truth world. And, you know, we have so many different sources of truth on the internet and so many different competing narratives that I really think that um, these different, that AI is going to amplify this because not only is it, are the, are AIs being trained on, you know, big internet scrapings, but also they're they're being uh, refined by reinforcement learning. So certain like OpenAI has their own ideal as to what they yep. believe is like the the right narrative for humanity. And North Korea has a very different ideal for what they want to be telling their people, right? And if you're relying on these models as a single source of truth, which seems to be um, you know, I hope people aren't doing that, but I think that uh, the more integrated these things become in our society and in like the media we consume and the advertising we look at and stuff, the more I think that there's going to be like a, a narrative competition 
that's kind of backed up by whoever has the most GPU. And that seems to be a a terrifying. You know, it's going to happen. I mean, they already do it with the sign language people on TV. You know, all of a sudden, how many times you see these guys are doing sign language and they were just doing nonsense. They're not even, you know, they're not even talking in sign language. They're just moving their hands. So, you know, I mean, imagine what, uh, you know, you're trying to translate what uh, Xi Ping is saying and, you know, I mean, tonality and, and, you know, there's so much to it. Um, yeah, but it is pretty impressive when you're just messing around with it. I mean, Austin and I messed around with it, you know, like when it first one of the first translators came out and, you know, he sent his friend a message, you know, then immediately was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? You know, <laughs> but it was like it was his voice and everything in Spanish. And it was it sounded great. But it's just like all of a sudden, you know, you start thinking, wow, this is we don't know if it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know what yeah. you just said to him. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, hey Mike, um, I think that's a, an important one for the audience. Could could you rewind a little bit and maybe explain what happened with the human translator a little bit in detail? Uh, so, so we all understand exactly the episode. Yeah, no. So there's been a, there's been a couple of instances and if you just, you can just Google it. Um, but on the, when people are doing these press conferences or even like sometimes at concerts or whatever, they'll have a, somebody doing the sign language and in a, in a bunch of cases, um, there's been people who didn't know sign language at all. And were just like up there faking it because the people who they were hired by didn't know sign language either. So they were able to kind of fake their way through it. So they're literally just standing there, moving their hands in a way that makes them seem like they're doing sign language, but they're absolutely no sign language. It's completely false. So, um, so it just, you know, it just made me think of it when you start thinking about like translating and trusting the translator, you know, it's like I trust AI sign language versus uh, some of the people we see on TV. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. Once you get humans involved, there's always a chance of uh, something going awry. Totally. I would say on top of all this, a really good point for the business owners out there. When you're thinking about implementing any of this technology and maybe you feel like it's finally time it's super important to do your due diligence and really ask the hard questions to your vendors because imagine being a a hungry and maybe a little bit desperate of a company saying, hey, you know, I have, I have a little bit of money here to spend on some AI. Um, I want to get ahead of my competition. I want to implement some of this stuff. And maybe you don't have the experience in like vetting a technology partner or consultancy or whatever. It's super important, obviously, to go deep and really know like what you're getting yourself into and what could possibly go wrong. So there's a whole nother safety aspect of it right there. You know, you have to protect yourself and your business. And a lot of people are probably saying yet yeah, and like, no shit, obviously. But, you know, you'd be surprised. Um, there's a lot of hype around this stuff. There's a lot of money to be to be made. And sometimes things go overlooked. But, you know, I could totally see this going the wrong way if someone was you know maybe not the un maybe like like a smb or somebody that just goes ahead and does this and all of a sudden the translations start hallucinating and it's like a huge problem and you're like back to beyond square one right so it's a problem so i'm gonna definitely keep in mind and humans are not perfect either Correct. So yeah, <laughs> it well, just has you know, to be better it, than a human. 
Yeah. And um, being in this space, you know, where we're looking at product and looking at the stuff, you can just see that there's certain things that they're just slapping AI on, you know, and they're just like using it as a, yeah. you know, that's the latest thing. So they just say this is AI, but meanwhile, it's just an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. There's a lot you of, gotta be- there's a lot of hype. <laughs> people are yeah, and <laughs> using like, that word loosely now. <laughs> people got to be, they, people have to be careful with that because like you never, all we need is like everybody to start slapping AI on their company name and then like some crazy AI shit happens and then you're screwed because like, I mean, people got to be like smart about this. Like <laughs> I, I get it. Like everybody wants to excel in, in life and business and stuff, but you know, the, the shiny object can definitely bite you if you're not careful. So just, just be, be smart about it. Um, so what are some challenges here of ensuring AI safety? I think we've touched on a few um, obviously the lack of regulation, you know, depending upon where you live, everybody is doing this different speed of relentless development. You know, I think that's where the accelerationist, um, you know, conversation comes in to play here a little bit. Um, what else do you guys think? You know, there's, there's definitely a whole laundry list of different items here. Well, I think that the, one of the technical challenges, I mean, obviously alignment is just probably the biggest one. Um, that's the biggest challenge right now. Uh, and then. Um, so Mark, so for the audience, yeah. what do you mean by alignment exactly? Can you define that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so alignment is, is the, it's making sure that the, the goals that are programmed into the AI are what humans want, okay, or what's going to be beneficial to humans, right? So like I said with the example earlier, with your coffee-making robot running over your cat, um, that's like that's probably the biggest um, difficulty in, in, in with these things. And as they get smarter, that danger becomes more prominent. Um, because a remember you can't tell what they're what what an AI is thinking on the inside. You don't know what's happening behind, you know, inside the model, and you don't know if it's deceiving you. So as these things get more and more intelligent and better at um, better at decision making and reasoning, uh, it becomes more it just becomes a much more difficult problem, um, and. And I think that um, it might seem like science fiction now, but there's a lot of it's a lot of headroom in terms of brain space, in terms of all the the space of all possible brains or intelligences. Humans are not uh, the the smartest thing that's possible. So when you think about artificial superintelligence, um, you know you, you can you can sort of imagine what what something, what a super intelligence might be like. It's something that knows way more than you do about anything and can think faster than you um, and can also be better at reasoning than you. And it's, it's pretty apparent uh, that humans are not that great at reasoning in a lot of things. We have a lot of evolutionary uh, reasons why we why we don't make good decisions 
um, where we are actually notoriously bad at calculating probabilities and we make a lot of uh, type one errors um, as, as opposed to type two errors. So um, a, a, a better reasoning agent could really just like outthink you and outplay you and outplay humans. And, and when you think about that, like it might not seem that terrifying, but if it has its own goals, if this super intelligent um, machine, like you could just think if it's any goal, if it's making paper clips, right? It, it can, it's going to, it's going to eventually, it's going to accomplish those goals, right? It's this goal to action mapping that's that ends up kind of bulldozing humanity in the long run and i think that's one of the biggest concerns um with artificial intelligence um right now is that it's not chat gpt or gpt5 but maybe like gpt20 or something where we're talking about way way more intelligent than humans and that doesn't leave a lot of room for us you know when when these things start to start to be um, adversarial and cons- in our consuming resources for compute power it it does feel like like this is a like a science fiction scenario but it's it's coming you know it's happening and it and it will i think humans will eventually be outsmarted by these things um and and that's really the scariest scenario and um and there's a lot of technical reasons why it's really hard to stop that you know if you have something that's smarter than you do you think you can contain that do you think you can control that and if you can control that do you think it's a good idea like if i came up with a very powerful, very super intelligence that was aligned to my own ideals. You think that's a good idea? I mean, you'll have to trust that me, the person wielding this intelligence has ideals that are aligned with yours. And you know, you can very quickly see how this plays out in a political sense where you have nation states that are with competing ideologies that are building these super intelligent beings, you know, that are adversarial in nature and that that really is a a terrifying future um especially when they become uncontrollable well i mean you could kind of mute each other's points you know it's like (laughs) you're gonna have robots fighting robots at some point it's not gonna you know make any sense um if you can you know if the technology you know if, if you're on top of the technology you know if you're up on the top you know you could maybe have a little bit uh of defense but uh, i definitely see your point but we have a we have a hard time aligning with our neighbors and our spouses and our children much less you know um all of humanity so i definitely see how that's a (laughs) a daunting task yeah i kind of think of it like uh like you have this little island and there's a bunch of chipmunks on it and then you have these like two enormous armies that are battling (laughs) and it's like we're like the chipmunks right it's it's like the the armies don't care about the chipmunks they are shooting 
you know, shells and bombs and tanks and the poor chipmunks are just getting run over, you know, like nobody cares about the chipmunks. Those, these armies have their <laughs> you know, agenda, have their own agendas <laughs> and we're just in the way, you know, we don't, we're not caring. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing that says there's no rule in math or science or computer science that says that something with a greater intelligence is going to be empathetic or caring towards something that has a lesser intelligence that's not a, a rule of nature <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we have that we have plenty of examples of that in humanity yeah. <laughs> usually the super smart so, ones are the ones lacking empathy <laughs> yeah so well, it's crazy because because you have something that is modeling a human but it's but it's very much operating with a completely different set of mostly binary rules even if it's not even if it has this intelligence like there's still some sort of binary decision making like tree behind it right so um human beings are a complete like can of worms where that's not you don't really know what you're going to get in that sense you know oftentimes depending upon who you're dealing with like you're not going to get that at all um so it makes it very hard for society like to deal with this because I we're, we're just I, I don't really I'm not convinced that we're even close to being like really equipped. So that's when my brain goes to the 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 part of like we need a we need a different society and a completely different set of rules to be able to usher this in safely, right? Yeah, I think probably the best way is to just don't go there. You know. I think that's but we know that's probably is the yeah that that that's that's i think where there needs to be an emergency global coordination and uh that's yeah like it's we've we're trying that with like climate change and it's not working um yeah uh, so i i don't see how that's going to work with with you know a global agreement not to enter into an arms race with you know, super intelligences and, you know, there, there may be something there. We, we've certainly scaled way back on the amount of nuclear weapons that are in the world. Um, but we still have nuclear weapons and, um, there's nothing that says that tomorrow someone's not going to break a treaty and build more. Um, but I, I, I do think that there needs to be, there definitely needs to be, um, there's a place for organizations like the United Nations in, in this type of, of thing when it comes to superintelligence, because this is, you know, existential level um, technology. Yeah. I should ask my friends that, that works at the UN, you know, what she, if she has any like inside information about how the UN might be dealing with this, I'm sure that, that they're probably not. I, I, I picture a bunch of, antiquated folks just sitting around but who knows i don't know what i'm talking about yeah i um, think it still feels so. like it still feels like science fiction right now and it's hard to it's hard for us to to even think about something that's think about what something that's smarter that smarter than us would be like and what implications that would have um that's a hard thing <laughs> to do it's hard to believe that that's possible you know we kind of have this hubris yeah. as humans um but yeah, there's, it's definitely coming. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, these predictive technologies now, I mean, even back with the, when, 
we were talking about Cambridge Analytica back in 2016. They said that, you know, if they got, you know, 30 pieces of data or something, they could, they know you better than you know yourself, you know? So yeah, yeah. with, with AI now, you know, being able to analyze that stuff, there was this guy that was, um, that made me think of that Edward Wilson quote earlier. He was talking about how, you know, just from, they don't even need the data points. All they need is your mouse clicks and your, the way you type, you know, the, the, the keystrokes on your, on your laptop, they can get you most of your personality traits, the five big personality traits yeah. from just the way you move your mouse and type on a keyboard. Uh, um, <laughs> by the way, uh, <laughs> um, AI is already destroying the world. If you, uh, if you suffer, <laughs> if you suffer from like short form video addiction, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like, yeah. <laughs> like most exactly. people, uh, like the, there's, you know, significant drops in, uh, um, in focus <laughs> and like in the last few years, AI is not, AI has been around a long time and it's just been getting, getting better and better at stealing your time and, and poking your brain. And I think that, you know, the 2016, 2020 presidential elections, you know, we saw, you know, big changes in the political system. And that was because of AI. I mean, AI, these AI systems have been in our social media for a long time. That's, that's AI doing that. It's not yeah, a conscious, and- it's not a conscious AI, but it's, it's machine learning. It's data collection. Yeah. It's, it's uh, this like very hardcore optimization that, you know, their goal, what their their goal is, is to capture as much as your attention as possible, so that they can um, give you that they can maximize their ad revenue. Like that's their model. So uh, of this these social media companies. So they, there's this kind of race to the bottom of the brainstem to just like feed you content that's going to just keep engaging you at all costs, and they're just getting better and better at that. And that's AI. You know, that's the AI ultimately is a master optimizer and uh, it's a narrow ai that's that's not a general intelligence it's a narrow intelligence but they're but it's still having a significantly negative effect on the world right now just right now and you can see it see it happening yeah so so when you understand that myself yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. mike's addicted to social media he's yeah he's gonna come out on the podcast and uh yeah (laughs) made it to the world (laughs) (laughs) so this is the point of the conversation where I'm like, okay, so so what can one do? Like it feels it feels you, you know hopeless in some ways. There's also like positive things for sure, but you know when you really start to look at it deep, it's a very hard nut to crack. So you know, I often think about how how do we like get people aware, and by people I mean like the 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 mass society, you know, of, of our fellow human beings that we live with, um, you know, like we're super early adopters, you know, Mark, you're even more, much more earlier than, than Mike and I are. So, but then there's everybody else. Um, so that was one of the reasons that we decided to do this podcast is I think of it as like our contribution to, to humanity in some ways or having these conversations, but outside of that, you know, like, what do you guys think? I'd like to hear from both of you on your your approaches and, and what you would do here, and then, and then I'll go last. 
you want to start with Watson? <laughs> He's like the IBM Watson of the of the podcast. He's like, he just won Jeopardy and then was like, "Hey, this is great." <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can give my opinion. I think that that there's being observant is important. Uh, knowing what's what's going on behind the scenes, you know, understanding how these systems work, where they're being used. I think it's just that's sort of the base level of of what I would recommend people do, educating yourself, having the conversation with other people. Um, and then I think meditation is really important because mm -hmm. the more that we live in a world that's controlled by technology and is optimized to steal your attention and your focus, really the more that you start to lose touch with your own humanity, I think. And, um, if you can spend a few minutes every day, um, you know, finding your center or wh whatever you want to call it, um, I think that's just very a very important part of being human and of figuring out how every day you you're going to be able to handle all of these all of these things that are coming at you, whether it's the the cell phone addiction or the negative news or the decisions that your politicians are making. Um, these things require a lot of thinking. And if we're not taking the time to really think about these things and to talk about them, then we're just going to get autopiloted away um, as a, as a species. So um, yeah, I would just encourage that. Yep. Great points. How about you, yeah, Mike? That's great points. Um, I, I, I like what you said about the, the meditation and getting, you know, back into, you know, getting away from it and putting it down. I think, uh, you know, I grew up in New York City and spent all my most of my life there. And then uh, when I, I left in 2019, I, I was it was a real break from everything that I had known. It was, you know, the access to technology wasn't there. The, you know, I didn't have good internet speed. I didn't have any of these things, but I also wasn't plugged into the the Borg of the group think. Um, and I was kind of out on my own and, and going around the country, having my individual relationships with my new friends and old friends and not really paying too much attention to like what was really going on outside of the world and it was it was a beautiful thing um and now that you know now that i'm back on the east coast you know i i couldn't imagine i can't even imagine a place where i'd be want to go back to that lifestyle that i had before and so i think like you know i tell people if, if i had a choice between moving to new york city right now or moving to vermont i would move to vermont you know it's like i want to i want to like get away from it um, but I also know that I'm limited and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a limited monkey brain and I like, I like my stimulation too. So I go on the Instagram feed for, you know, three hours a day and, you know, waste that kind of time. And it's just like, it's like the guilt that I feel for doing it. <laughs> well, it's like, don't well. feel, don't feel bad about it because like you, you are up against some very, very powerful algorithms and, we we don't really stand a chance uh, unless like <laughs> you know it's it's tough it's tough and they're just getting better so um, you know don't let the guilt consume you you're you're up against a monster here <laughs> <So>. <laughs> thanks Mark thanks <laughs> fight your life we all battle this thing yeah <laughs> uh, nice what about you Austin what do you got 
So I, I think you guys made some amazing points. You know, I I personally love the um, you know, being good to yourself, eating well, resting well, meditating. You know, I started treating myself really good in that regard two years ago. And I don't think like I would be even close as happy as I as I, I am now if I didn't do that. So that's huge. Um so what I would do would be a little bit different. And I've, I've mulled over this a little bit. I used to feel more strongly about it until recently. And I'll tell you why. But what I think needs to happen is I think that AI needs to make a really crazy ass movie. And it basically needs to be like the good, the bad, or the ugly, all of it. And it needs to do it on its own. It needs to hack everybody's email uh, inbox and send the link out and basically spread itself to really freak people out. Unfortunately, I think that's what we're de- dealing with here. I think that there needs to be like a like a cinematic grade, like holy shit, mind blowing AI like you know movie here. <laughs> um, however, little bit of a parallel. I I I did see. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the George Carlin um, AI that that is now on its second episode. I think, but essentially, um, I forget the the YouTube channel that did this. Um, I'll figure it out and I'll drop it in the links. But essentially, a an AI recreated a modern day George Carlin skit and mimicked him completely. You know, it sounds like him, like the tone of the jokes are him, everything. And like people didn't like they didn't care. And I was like, wow. <laughs> um you know, and I talked to some of my friends who are like huge George Carlin fans and they like hated it. And I was like, this is really interesting. So it kind of further like cements, I think, the problem that we're up against here because people, it takes a lot and it takes some really crazy things to happen to get people's attention. And that's a huge problem because to have something like completely, you know, just able to to recreate this level of someone who isn't even alive anymore based off of their content, you know, both audible and from a visual standpoint, like all of the, um, you know, like it it was like, it wasn't like pure video. It was like animated, like stills and such, you know, they had like hallucinations all over them, which was even more like kind of strange, you know, like it, it added to the whole, flavor of of carlin because like he was a kind of a crazy dude and like to to have like an ai representing him and then to have like the imagery have like weird ass hallucinations hallucinations all over it was really quite the thing so i don't know so did Um, your friends hate it because it was george carlin um like it was sort of a they thought it was like like disrespecting yeah. <laughs> like like that's something that should have been done or did they hate it because of the content was just not good well two two things my one buddy was he just didn't think it was funny um you know so i uh i thought it was okay i kind of agreed with him on it i, I thought that like the real carlin would have been better um I also just think he misses George Carlin. So I was kind of like expecting him to be like, oh, you know, like here's some new content, but you know, he's, he's an, he's an OG. So I, I guess like that was part of it. Um, but yeah, you know, like the more, the more and more of these things that are made, like the more and more people are just going to like, 
you know, be like whatever. It just, there's so much stuff being made. It makes it really hard. So whatever break, you know, does break through just has to be completely insane. Unfortunately, that's where we're at. You know, I, so. I, when you sent that, I, I thought about, you know, how it kind of had the tone of the late, you know, the late, um, stand-ups that Carlin had done where he was, you know, very anti, you know, government and things like that. And the tone of that was, was, was similar to that. And, you know, there were, it was so even at the end when he was doing those stand-ups, they, they weren't really funny as much as they were a commentary on, on what was happening. Yeah. I, and I was kind of surprised exactly. about some of the, some of the topics that the AI brought up that were pretty, you know, like I, I think some real humans would have a hard time having those conversations, you know. So I thought that that kind of thing was cool. Um, you can't cancel an then, AI, not yet, at least. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, certainly, yeah. And uh, but then I, you know, I also think that some people just, you know, don't like technology. I just like, was looking up. There was that like hitchhiking robot that like made it all the way like across the country a couple years back, and then it got to Philly, mm-hmm. and they just destroyed it. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. like you know, Dude, that's totally like, gonna happen. <laughs> it's like, like it's, it's, that's why like murder. <laughs> yeah, like, I I. I can't wait to see what happens when they start deploying robots in cities. People are going to destroy those things immediately. You know, like you could, I bet you that if we go out onto the street and I, and I like interview, I stop 200 people on the spot and I pick 10 different neighborhoods in New York city. I start asking them about AI and I start asking them if they think that it's a good idea. I would, I would bet that the majority of those people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. And they're going to be like, no, this is a horrible idea. Right. So um, we'll see. We'll see for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but on a more serious note, like to add to a few other things, like what can we do? Like definitely be curious, stay informed, you know, whatever you do learn, if you find it interesting, like talk to your friends and family about it. You know, there's, there's also like tons of free courses. You know, one of the good things about the capitalistic aspect of this whole thing right now is that, you know, every big tech company right now is is putting out some sort of free content, you know, training courses, etc. Google has a whole AI course that you can take for free, completely free. And this is like really good stuff. So so yeah, you know, dig in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gotta gotta get into into it. You know, it's like you gotta start slow. You know, that's why we started with stackability. You stack these skills, you get a little bit learn a little bit every day and just keep piling it on. So all of a sudden you have yeah. a podcast. <laughs> there you go. You can have your own podcast. Podcasting is so easy to break into these days. You know, it's like, do it. All right. Well, great episode, gentlemen. Um, I appreciate your time, Mark. Thanks for stopping by. You know, for those of you how, who have tuned in today, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Feel free to subscribe like us share with your friends it really helps us grow the channel until next time everyone have a great day thanks a lot